I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and tonight we have two really awesome interviews for you as well as a bit of weekend geek um first up will be young authoress hannah trank who has a new uh novel that came out this month came out on june 12th called are we dead yet and it's exciting to have someone that is just 20, in their early 20s, um, just got published, and it is a supernatural young adult novel um, that focuses on a zombie apocalypse. And we'll have Hannah on to talk about how it is that she got to get into publishing, how it is to write, and um, the way she used independent uh, print to get her work out there, which is pretty awesome if you consider, I think she started writing um when she was 21. So I am really excited about that. And then later on, the voice of Night Vale returns. Mr. Cecil Baldwin is back with us and he will be talking about the new Welcome to Night Vale. It's a world tour this time, I guess, because they're going international. Um, and they're also going to be going to Comic-Con and uh, doing a performance there, and they'll be running around all of San Diego, and um, yeah, they'll be out and about with all of the geeks. Uh, so that will be great. And also, um, we talk about the influence that Welcome to Night Vale and the outpouring of love that has happened from fans, and especially the gay, lesbian, bi, and trans trans um, community that has sort of embraced this show um, and Cecil's character and Carlos's character and just the entire city of Nightvale, um, which is just really beautiful. And uh, we're really happy to have him back as always. But first, before we get into all of that, we have a Week in Geek to talk about. And um, first off, uh, something that, gosh, I keep doing these sad things. Um, we uh, lost another great character actor, actually, uh, today is of this recording, um, June 25th, Eli Wallach died. Um, now Wallach was a very, um, amazing character actor. He, uh, the one I remember him for, um, a lot of people will remember him from the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, but what I remember him for was this really weird, creepy sexual movie called baby doll, uh, that just was this bizarre late mid fifties flick that, um, 
was just really bizarre. Uh, but it, Wallach just kind of went into uh, a, a way of playing a lot everyone's favorite bad guys but he just was a super super character actor um but he lived a very long life he died at 98 so it's sad to see him go but as we say on this show it was great to have him around because we have and we'll always have him around because of this just huge body of work that he he was a part of so um tribute to Eli Wallach there the man was amazing so watch the spaghetti western um this weekend to celebrate him. Um, but on to better news and much happier news. Um, we have a new Mad Max movie. I don't think, know if you remember that that was actually happening, that we are getting a new Mad Max film next year in May, uh, May 15th. Mad Max Fury Road's coming out. And what is awesome about this is the man who was responsible for the first three Mad Max movies uh, um, actually is the man behind this one, which is phenomenal. And it's going to kick so much ass because Tom Hardy is Mad Max and Charlize Theron it appears to be the bad guy in this. And she's got a mechanical arm and everything and her head shaved and she just looks so kick ass in it. And um, Hardy looks amazing too. They finally released um, the uh, first pics from this film and the, the, they just look great. Um, they actually have it on the cover of entertainment weekly um, upcoming here. And I just can't begin to tell you how freaking sweet this looks. And the description that um, George Miller, the guy in charge of this, gave of it was, it's a chase that starts as the movie begins and continues for 110 minutes. So it really sounds like the Road Warrior. Um, but it's cool because, the, the like I said, the rumor is um, that Theron is the bad guy. It sounds like she is with a name like Imperator Furiosa, that's her name in this. Um, I mean, she almost has to be, which kind of is cool because it follows in that uh, Tina Turner uh, mythos that she created in in Beyond Thunderdome. So I am I am stoked. I can't if you can tell. So yes, Mad Max Fury Road. Check it out. We'll have some of the picks up on VanGirlMag.com for you to check out. So I am. Very stoked about that. Um, also up on Fangirl Mag right now, if you want to go check it out as long as it's still up there, the Dracula Untold trailer leaked. It looks like it's uh, from overseas and it made its way online and Universal quickly removed it, but it made its way on some other sites and I found a link that actually worked, so I posted it. And uh, yeah, um, I don't know. It didn't, wasn't really that hot for this from the beginning and after seeing the trailer I have a, I, I, on the site you'll see what I have to say but my god in this one shot Luke Evans looks a lot like Dr. Oz it's it's really creepy it's really creepy how much he looks like him um, but the cool thing is Charles Dance is a vampire in this and he is the one that looks appears that he is the one who makes Dracula, which is kind of cool. I'm still waiting for him to play like an older Van Helsing because he totally, to me, is like the love baby of Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I have a feeling this is going to die a quick death, just like I Frankenstein did. I'm not quite sure why Universal is going this route, um, but I don't know. It, it, I'll go see it because I'm a Dracula completist, and that's just what I do. But I'm, they're going to have to really work to convince me of this. I, I never thought Luke Evans was a good pick for the lead. Um, I always wanted somebody like Jeffrey Dean Morgan because he actually looks like Vlad the Impaler. Um, the other bit of news that was released this week, actually, as today it came out, um, is that Shane Black and Fred Decker are teaming up to do a Predator film. And it's going to be a sequel, not a prequel. And I'm guessing from what I can tell, it's not going to have anything to do with any of the AVP movies or with Predators, unless I'm wrong. So I think this is going to be a direct prequel to the original Predator, which is awesome because Shane Black actually is in Predator. And um, it, it, I'm hoping this does well. I want them to stick with what made the original so awesome and actually do a hard R Predator flick. And if anybody can do that, these guys can. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I was very happy to find out that it is not a um, remake. It is a sequel. So we will see what happens and if they actually bring back Dutch to the game as an older Dutch. That would be kind of cool, even as a cameo. Um, Also, what happened this week, we have another name in the game for the role of Doctor Strange, Um, Edgar Ramirez, who is actually going to be on screen this summer, and uh, the film um, uh, Deliver Us from Evil is supposedly in talks. Now, there's no guarantee he's actually in talks for Doctor Strange, but he is in talks for the film. So he could be up for the role, or he could be in a secondary role in the movie. We'll see. Um, but I'm... Eh, you know who... You, you already know who I want, so I'm not going to go into that. But um, we'll see what happens. I really hope that they cast this well, because I am a lover of Doctor Strange, and I really want it to do a good job. And they're setting it up, because he was mentioned in... Captain America. So we'll see what happens. Um, but Edgar Ramirez, uh, look him up if you don't recognize the name. He's done quite a few films already. Uh, but like I said, he's in Deliver Us from Evil if you want to catch him in something current. Um, another piece of Marvel news really quickly before we get into the TV land. Uh, Nathan Fillion's cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy is in fact not Nova. Uh, it appears that Fillion, I, I kind of thought that was a big deal for him to do that role. I was excited to hear about it, but it didn't set, it didn't really fit him. Uh, but it turns out, no, he's actually going to be voicing Cosmo, an earth dog that gets mutated, um, and is, is in the realms of, uh, rocket so we'll see what happens maybe at the end of the movie he'll pop up after credits and um hook up with his buddy rocket again uh for a real quick uh 
who he is. Cosmo was a former test animal of the Soviet space program. He was launched into Earth's orbit as part of an experiment, but he drifted off into space at some point during the 60s, arriving in nowhere. And at some point being mutated, he eventually came to serve as the station's security chief. So he's a talking dog like like Rocket is, a talking um, raccoon somewhat. And I can totally see the banter happening between the two of them. Uh, so, um, on to TV news and somewhat not happy TV news. Um, so Lady Stoneheart, it's, it, now you can take this with a grain of salt because she never doesn't say, she doesn't say that Lady Stoneheart doesn't, is not coming to Game of Thrones, but she does say that she is dead, dead, dead. Now we know Stoneheart, Lady Stoneheart is dead. That's nothing. But, um, yeah, um, Michelle Fairley was doing an interview and with Entertainment Weekly, and she basically said that to defend the option to leave out her character's arc in season four, that doesn't mean season five, you know. But she does. then she says this. You respect the writer's decision. They can't stick to the books 100%. They have got to keep it dramatic and exciting and extraneous stuff along the way gets lost in order to maintain the quality of brilliant show. I would think that Lady Stoneheart, though, wasn't, you know, extraneous. I, that idea of her coming back and, and being this ethereal, zombie-esque woman just makes me happy. So... I don't know. That makes me. If it's true that she's not going to be Lady Stoneheart, um, but if you did in fact watch Twenty Four this weekend, you know that she's free. <laughs> and yeah, so let's hope they put her in there. I'd really, really prefer her to be in the show. And really quickly, because it doesn't really deserve much talking about, True Blood came back for its final season. And I was reminded why I lost every bit of interest I had in this show, thanks to this episode. Um, It was called Jesus Gonna Be Here. And in it, we get to see the big surprise, but not really, because we don't get to see her die, which would have made me happy. They killed off Tara in like the first five, six, seven minutes of the show. And that is supposed to be this big shock. But the big shock was you didn't see her die. So she could still be alive. Who knows? You know, it's true blood. Nothing nothing that you really want to happen happens in it. And oh my God, Suki Stackhouse, I really hate you. I cannot stand her character now. They've made her more annoying and whiny and just, you know, useless as she has ever been. And in this episode, there was absolutely zero Eric Northman. The only decent character um, was Lafayette again, and Jessica's boyfriend and um, his scene with Lafayette, which is totally setting up this whole love triangle thing. I mean, really, they telegraphed that 100 miles early. Um, so, yeah, True Blood, you really should have ended earlier, like three or four seasons ago. Because that's how long you've been going downhill, and I'm torturing myself by watching you. So uh, that's really what I'm doing right now, is torturing myself with watching you. Because I'm a completist, 
and I want to see what you do with Eric. That's really it. So, yeah, um, if you really care about True Blood, feel free to go and torture yourself with it. But, yeah, there you go. With that, all right, everybody. So our first guest of the night is here, Miss Hannah Trank. Uh, She is a young adult novelist who has just released her new novel, Are We Dead Yet?, which is a cool little title. Um, It came out on June 12th and is available on Amazon. And you can get it either in paperback as of um, a few days ago and also on, I believe it's Kindle. Yeah. Perfect. So, and it is a post-apocalyptic zombie apocalypse coming of age young adult novel. I think I covered, I think I covered all of that. (laughs) Sounds pretty close. Yeah. (laughs) All righty. So welcome Hannah to Fangirl Radio. Thanks for having me. And so... Let, I, I gave the Cliff Notes version of what your book is about, so tell everyone the story behind Are We Dead Yet and what it is. Um, it's pretty much just about a girl, um, you know, struggling to survive, and then you throw in the mix that it's not just zombies that are the threats, and she's just faced with all these things that, like, even without the zombies, it just seems like everyday, um, pretty typical problems for young adults. And then you throw in the zombies. And yeah, it's just about her trying to make it and keep everyone she loves alive. So, what made you want to, because um, this is like your first novel, correct? Yeah. <laughs> what, what made you want to write about a girl in a zombie apocalypse? Um, well, I've always been a really huge fan of zombies. I really like apocalyptic things. I just, chaos and destruction really excite me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really like it. And, um, when I get into kind of a bad place, I read a lot, mm-hmm. and um, I had gotten in one last year before I started writing, and um, I read a lot of books that I liked most of them, but I found myself with almost every book thinking, like, um, why is that main character doing that? Why are they not understanding? Like, I don't know. They, they bugged me, and so I was like, you know, I think I'll write my own, so I'll know what's going to happen, and I can control it, and I, you know... <laughs> it's mine and everything that I want happens happens and that's how I came into it <laughs> that's awesome and so you're an artist as well um on top of being a writer which is pretty amazing in its own right because I've seen some of your work and it's it's really really well done yeah thank you I'm I'm pretty self-taught I took a couple classes in high school but most of it's just from watching others tex- techniques and um kind of adapting it to my own and just teaching myself <laughs> Well, how, you know, because you're, what now, 23, 24 years old? And actually, I just turned 21 in March. Holy God, I'm way off. Wow. So it's <laughs> even more amazing that you did this at this age. Thank you. Well, so what, um, how did you get into, because uh, I know we have a lot of, of listeners out there that are um, are artists and writers and um, younger as well that are, are trying to get their own work out there. How did you get into, what what was the process for you in getting this book made? Because I believe it's like a self-published work. Yeah, yeah it is. Um, you know, when I first started writing it, I was just going to print it up and like put it in a binder and just kind of read it myself um but my sister-in-law tracy ward who's just killing it in the business <laughs> she um released her first book um in the end right when i first started writing and um if it weren't for her 
<laughs> I don't think I would have gotten nearly as far. She really opened a lot of doors for me and held my hand literally through the entire thing. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how it came to be. <laughs> nice. So I, I, one thing I had to ask about was um, you, you, you're an artist and a writer as well. Are you interested at all in maybe taking the story in Are We Dead Yet? Because um, I haven't gotten to read the entire book. I've read mm-hmm. I've read a a, a bit and um, that I, you sent me you were nice enough to send me, mm-hmm. um, it, like as a continuation of it or even as a redo of the novel itself in a comic book form. Um, I would love to do that. I get kind of frustrated um, with my art because I have a lot of pictures in my mind and it's really hard to get them out how I want. I mean, I would definitely. I have thought about that. It's just kind of if I can get it out enough to do it but I've done a lot of um concept drawings and and whatnot for that nice because I know there's a um because as we said that the book is available on um online with uh the kindle and and digital media but there's also a lot of digital comics out there right now that um are online only oh yeah so that would be a I, I I my suggestion is go for that and see what happens because that's like a whole new medium for you that would probably be really well taken because there's the thing I I love about about Hannah is the fact that she's first of all she's a girl and you don't <laughs> you know you don't get a lot of there's not a lot of well-known female writers out there right now really tackling this. I mean, it's coming to its own, but you don't hear about them as much because there's a lot of urban fantasy and urban horror right now that is hitting news, you know, paperbacks and, and, and the book world, but you don't really hear a lot about it as much. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) So, so what was some of the stuff that you read that um, kind of got you into the mood and, and mindset of writing this? Um, well, the Iron Fae series, um, I can't quite remember the author of it. I was just, I was going through them really fast, like 30 books in like a month and a half. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I went a little overboard with it. But that one, I just really loved all the characters and the story. And that, that was the one that like really got me on the, you know, like, I think I'm going to do this. And then I read um, the Mortal Instrument series. And that pushed me over, and I was like, okay, I can do this. I want to do this. <laughs> the, those two were, like, I think some of my favorite series I've ever read. And I liked Hunger Games a lot. Um, but those two were, uh, I don't know, they connected with me a lot more, I think, and that really inspired me. Nice. And so um, what you you said you you're, you really love zombies. What's some of the stuff that, um, other than the walking dead which everybody will say oh, oh yeah <laughs> but what other stuff have you enjoyed in that genre because it's it's becoming so prevalent now it's um mostly movies i love old zombie movies i like corny zombie movies low budget movies the the movies are really what sucks me into it and i just like um you know thinking about it like my sister and i we'd sit outside for like hours when i lived at home um, just talking about the zombie apocalypse and our plan, and then more of my friends got involved, and we were all talking about it. I think it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of came up, and then Walking Dead came out, and that just kind of like, okay, this is this is really awesome stuff. <laughs> so uh, I have to ask, are, are you aware at all of the iZombie comic book series? 
I'm I'm not actually. You should pick that up. It's set in Eugene. Is it? It's set in Eugene, Oregon. Oh, that's sweet. What what was the title again? I'm gonna actually write it down. (laughs) It's called I Zombie, and um, it's a really really good series, and it's actually being turned into a TV series this year. Oh, really? Do you know if they're gonna film it in Eugene? No, they're not. I already found out. They're filming it in freaking Seattle, which oh wow. I mean, I guess that's as close as you can get, but they could have filmed it here. I I know. Oh, we would have gone crazy for that here. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, and and uh, it's funny because in the comic book they actually have um, places that you'll be like, oh, well, that's on so and so street. I mean, it's they actually draw the stuff in, um, and it's pretty amazing. The guy that um, we had the gentleman on the show that uh, actually uh, was the author for the comic. Um, he was at Free Comic Book Day with us at. Uh, Dragon Vine, which was pretty amazing. Oh, right on. Yeah, so I was I was really happy about that. Um, so sweet. Ah. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, see, you learn things when you come on this show. Right. <laughs> and his name's Michael Allred, by the way. He's a uh, really well-known uh, yeah. de- artist in the, in the comic community. And this is a Vertigo book, so it's the good DC stuff. Oh, right on. That is really good. So- I- Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I really like the Eugene or Oregon-based things because it's really relatable for those of us that live here. Oh, for and this one definitely is. She's a, it's a a, a, a punk little girl that, um, I call her little girl because I'm <laughs> now I'm 39. Um, but uh, this girl dies and she ends up becoming a, um, a grave digger. And in Eugene, and what's cool about her, she's a zombie, but when she eats the brains, she can relive what happened to the person and knows how they died. So she ends up um, investigating the uh, the deaths and helping the people find, uh, she can see their ghosts and stuff too. Oh, wow. That sounds really awesome. It's really on my alley. Oh, sure. it's beautifully done too. Really, <laughs> really good. Um, but yeah, um, so where, where do you want to go with your work? Are you wanting to do another, um, are we dead yet? Or are you wanting to do a different genre? Like if you had your druthers, what would you write next? Like if you could pick anything. Um, well, of course I have to finish my series for are we dead or the till death series. But, um, right now, just to kind of take a break from that, I'm making my character outlines for this, uh, Greek mythology themed book that I'm doing. I don't have a title or anything, just kind of a a premise of what I want to do with it, but I've been thinking about that since I started this one, and I'm excited. Nice. So, can you give us a little hint of... Uh, is it is it dealing with the Greek gods, or... Yeah, um, it's... Uh, I haven't thought out all the nicks and whatnot with it, but, um, you know, the gods, it's their, their reign time is over, and they have to find their replacements. So, um... You know, they pick their demigod children and they have to go through these trials and, you know, that's how they find their new, uh, you know, gods and goddesses. Um, Like I said, it's really just a basic idea and I still have lots to work on with it, but... Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm really into the Greek mythology as well as zombies, so I'm really excited to get to 
throw in all that knowledge that I've had that my friends get really annoyed with. <laughs> like ruin all the, the movies. Like that's not how it happened. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Let me tell you, when I was in, in high school, I was the nerd that at lunchtime when everyone else was like trying to sneak and smoke away and smoke like in the corner or whatever. And <laughs> doing that. I, I had a, a Greek mythology book that I sat down and I was reading with a friend of mine. Like we were like, hey, blah, blah, blah. There's Pandora. Blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's all, I love that stuff. Um, yeah. We actually got lucky enough to when I was 18. I got to go over to um, Greece and I got to go to Rome as well. And God, those are the two biggest places that I want to go. Oh my God. Let me tell you, Pompeii, real Pompeii is amazing. I bet. I was actually looking at pictures on Google the other day. Well, if you get time, if you go down to um, Los Angeles right now, I just got back. They have a, um, an exhibit of I think they actually brought some of the figures to oh, what? Yeah. So cool. I didn't get to go. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but I, I, I saw the signs and I'm like, oh, why am I only here two days? Right? Oh shoot. Yeah, I know that. Just to be there though, like, oh, that's exciting. Uh I definitely. Um but we keep veering. I knew this would happen. <laughs> veering off path. I keep talking. <laughs> but I wanted to give you a chance to talk about Are We Dead Yet a little bit more and tell people where they can find it and um, where they can find you online and see some of your work. Um, well, the paperback and the um, digital copies are on Amazon. Uh, my Facebook author page, just Hannah Trank, um, you know, on Facebook. And then I have my Goodreads author page. But that's about it. I'm hoping that, like, once I build up more of a following to get an actual blog and and whatnot. So it's pretty basic right now. Um, Now, can they see some of your artwork on, on your Facebook page or, or um, I will post some uh, later, actually, if, if anyone's interested, I'm just kind of waiting to see, you know, how big it'll get before I just start piling things on. (laughs) But I definitely would love to do that. I really want to share my art, but it kind of, I'm a little timid when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, but now I have a door open, so there you go for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, another um, person you might want to check out um, for yourself and get in contact with, maybe and talk, is Isaac Marion. We've had him on the show, and he's the author of Warm Bodies. Oh, I love that book and that movie. <laughs> so and, and he's he's pretty amazing. He's kind of he's like you um, that he does art and he writes, and not that writing isn't art but you know what I mean. Um, (laughs) But he has a a really amazing web presence. He's got like a little bit of everything out there and, and uh, little short itty bitty stories that he did in, and you can read them on his site, but they're like itty bitty two paragraph things. And, uh, but he's, he's really amazing and a sweetheart and on Twitter, basically, I think he's living in a mobile home now that he's driving around the country. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's, I definitely have to check him out. He's also really cute. But oh, that's it, that's beside the point. <laughs> it's just bonus. It's just bonus with him. <laughs> but, well, Hannah, thank you so much. And um, I really thank you for joining us. And I wish you a lot, a lot of success. And come back on the show whenever you want. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you for having me. I really, it means a lot. Oh, no worries. And and when when can they expect the second book in this series to come out? Do you have any idea? Oh, and I'm really bad with keeping dates. But I would <laughs> say... <laughs> 
any anything longer than like a year, maybe a year and a half. Okay, so this time next year you will be getting the part two in the um, Are We Dead Yet series. I mean, what what is it called? I'm calling um, the wrong name. I'm kind of pushing around ideas because I want to stick to the like more um, macabre title things, but I'm thinking of um, getting colder. <laughs> but that's well, awesome. yeah. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. It took a lot just to get Till Death series out. I like. I could not think of anything other than Are We Dead Yet. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, <laughs> Hannah, thank you again. And look for her, as she said, on Facebook under Trank, uh, Facebook.com slash Trank.Hannah. And she is also on Goodreads. And you can find Are We Dead Yet on Amazon right now in paperback or on Kindle. So thank you again, Hannah Trank. Thank you very much. It was nice to talk to you. Nice <laughs> to talk to you, too. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. So next up on Fangirl Radio, the voice that you're waiting for, I know you are, Mr. Cecil Baldwin will be joining us, and we will be with him in just a moment. Hey, everybody, I would like to welcome the um, return of the voice of Night Vale to the show, Mr. Cecil Baldwin. Hello, thank you for having me. And um, so we are very excited because Night Vale is going on tour again. And in fact, you're coming to Comic-Con, which is a big deal. And you're doing a crossover, I believe, while you were there. Is that not correct? That is absolutely correct. This is our first year going to San Diego Comic-Con. And we are doing uh, the entire con. We're going to be signing the, the whole weekend and then um, we are also doing a show with the Thrilling Adventure Hour, uh, a crossover show. Um, and that is going to be uh, outside of San Diego Comic-Con, but it's still happening that same weekend. Gotcha. So um, can you tell us how that happened, how that came to be, that you guys kind of joined forces to do this? Because it's, it's pretty exciting. I love it when this kind of stuff goes on where you do like crossovers. Well, I think very early on, uh, I, I think Thrilling Adventure Hour kind of saw what was happening with Night Vale and uh, the Bens, Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, were just amazing at saying, this is, what, this is how we run our show. You know, when you all expand and take on more projects, you know, if you have any questions, let us know. And, you know, we've sort of created this kind of... Um, uh, world where their actors will come over and play Night Vale characters and I've gone over and played Thrilling Adventure Hour characters and we did a our first official crossover episode at Emerald City Comic Con mm-hmm. um, a few months ago and it was a blast and it was well received by everyone and they had amazing guest voices and celebrities and we had such a great time so we figured why not do it again in san diego um so i think they're they're kind of you know the the way that the way thrilling adventure works is that it all kind of depends on what celebrity guests they receive uh so they're kind of working on a newish script in order to accommodate some of the awesome performers that they have 
Well, and I just got a PR like um, blast that said that Hannibal is going to be in attendance. There's going to be a Hannibal presence at Comic Con. Oh, so I here's hoping that you guys can score because <laughs> just think about Hannibal in Night Vale. Well, you know, I'm actually, when it comes to San Diego Comic-Con, I'm very reserved um, in expectations about a lot of that stuff. Just because we are an indie queer podcast. We are so not part of the Hollywood machine. And, you know, I would love to meet the entire cast of Hannibal and so many other shows and movies, but I have a feeling that those people are kind of on a different level than I am (laughs) right now. Um, But having said that, you never know. Um, It's, I feel like it's going to be a crazy weekend. And, you know, I am kind of going with this open expectation that, you know, I'm just glad we're going, you know, like I, I love just like getting out there and meeting the fans and, you know, talking to people and um, finding out what other people are interested in. That was one of the greatest things about going to the Seattle Comic-Con was getting to go shopping and meeting comic book artists and being like, I've never met you, but your art is amazing. Give me your first three episodes or issues, and I'll keep in touch. Like that to me was so cool. Um, so yeah, when it comes to the celebrities, I'm sure that there are miles of velvet rope to get through to get to any of them. Ah, uh, I, 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 I will take you with me. <laughs> I will take you with me, and I will talk you our way into parties. That's what I oh do. Oh my gosh! <laughs> can I? That's, can I? That's be? Jessica's magic power. Uh-huh. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I did that at the um, the World's End party that's up at the Hard Rock Cafe that we got into with um, that had Simon Pegg and Walter Frey at it. And... I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bill Paxton just happened to be there too, which was just awesome. Oh, that's so great! Yeah, so totally, oh. I will I will drag you along with me, and I will get you in. If oh, please! Have you had <laughs> like a fanboy moment where you met somebody um, that you admired and they like knew who you were? Has that happened to you yet? It actually, when we were when we were in Indianapolis and we met with John Green. Um, oh you my know, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. He, to his uh, to his offices, and he was so gracious, and he, you know, sort of showed us around his offices, and we went out for a drink with. Him. He took out, you know, kind of the entire crew we were traveling with, and. Um, I, I could see it in his eye that as soon as I opened my mouth to speak, the recognition of my voice, <laughs> you know, uh, because I know that him and, you know, his brother both listened to Night Vale. And, and I think that was the moment where, you know, the sort of mutual um, geek came out in, in, a, in, a, in both of us a little bit, you know, mm. um, so that was a lot of fun. Awesome. You and I have a shared geekdom. I am a ginormous Mountain Goats fan. Oh, the Mountain Goats are great. We also, John Darneal, John Darneal um, met us on, uh, when we were in North Carolina. Uh, He actually, I got got to share a stage with uh, the the man of the Mountain Goats, you know. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. He was so great backstage. We were just laughing. We were trapped in a closet, strangely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
the 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 backstage area was essentially a glorified closet, and it was like me, John Derniel, uh, Meg Bashwinner, who is our <laughs> MC. You know, um, we're, we're literally just trapped back there the entire show, um, but we had a great time. That's, That's fantastic. I've been enjoying listening to the um, live shows, and mm. you know, you've, you've had them up on Bandcamp, and now we're in part one of a two parter. I know. How and mean was that? We were it's so evil, mean. Especially because Carlos is in peril. <laughs> no peril to the Carlos. Well, you know, it's uh, Night Vale, things got really turbulent in Night Vale for a while. Um, it's, I mean, it's, I, I think as we go on, you know, this is only our second year. Mm-hmm. And I think we're learning that, you know, as much fun it, as it is to have these sort of questioning existential literature aspect of the show, you really do have to kind of hang a plot mm-hmm. onto it that people can keep up with. Um, and I've noticed on Tumblr and, you know, a lot of the art is definitely become more inspired by the sort of uh, strong characters um, that are making things happen in Night Vale. Uh, Carlos, intern Dana, Tamika Flynn, even Yay. Kevin, even Kevin and Lauren have like <laughs> dedicated fandom because they're, I mean, they're all, you know, making stuff happen. And that is the best part, you know? Um, so yes, I apologize that Carlos is currently <laughs> in the netherworld right now. It's, it, it's just the cliffhangeriness of it. It's wonderful because I, I can't wait for the next episode. But um, it's been really fun to see Cecil kind of evolve during this, of being kind of this observer who loves his community to, to someone who has a cause. And I feel like he maybe struggled with that a little bit. Yeah. Along. No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, Cecil, when the, this character first started off, I, I think I was just playing the... The, the trope or the, uh, you know, the, the stereotype of the sort of, you know, late night radio DJ, NPR kind of voice. <laughs> um, and then, you know, after a couple of episodes, it evolved into this character. And now the character is actually, you know, um, making things happen. You know, you you know about his home life and you know about his family and his you know, his his place in the community that he's reporting. And it can only serve to be more fun for me and more fun <laughs> for the listeners as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. So well, my, I love how Craner and Finger, they're really taking their time with some of that exposition. Like we're just, there are these little hints of why he really hates Steve Carlsberg. And there's these little hints of what's happening with him and Carlos, you know. Yeah. I mean, they operate under this, you know, we, we've been doing this since the very beginning where, you know, they'll write a script, they'll send it to me, I'll read it and send it back. And I think they pick up on little nuances that, you know, I throw in in the performance and they go, oh, that's a really interesting way to look mm-hmm. at the words we've just created, you know, and then they kind of take that and then put it in the back of their heads and save it for later. Um mm-hmm. Which is makes me so incredibly proud to be part of this process because I feel like even though I'm not a writer, 
I'm still helping shape the overall feeling and the overall arc of Welcome to Night Vale as a whole. Well, and the the other part of this that that I I think you're very proud of too is I have a friend of mine, um, Fletcher Hignite, who role plays as cosplays as Cecil Baldwin, mm-hmm. and. Um, he is transitioning um, uh, from female to male at this point. And I think that the character of Cecil and you as you yourself are just icons now and, and heroes to people that are um, in the, in the gay community. And it's, it's really awesome. And if you could do a shout out for, for him, that would be great. By the Uh, way, what was, what was his name? Uh, Fletcher Hignite. Fletcher Hignight, hello. Uh, thank you for cosplaying as me. I hope you have as much fun being me as I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, it's part of the thing that I, I really love seeing is that this has taken on a life of its own. And in the fan community and in the uh, gay and lesbian community, it's just been embraced. How awesome is that for you and the guys? I mean, it's amazing. It It is so I, I can't I, like almost words don't even begin to express how privileged and how lucky I feel to be able to affect positive change in the world. Um, I, I remember I was in Chicago and I was talking with a friend of mine who is trans, and you know I was asking their opinion, who was also a fan of Night Vale, uh, and and I was asking their opinion about. What, what is it about this podcast that young, especially younger, queer and trans people seem to be latching on to? Um, you know, obviously the sort of gay male relationship I got, that I get, you know. But th- it seems like we really have kind of tapped into this feeling that you are not defined by your physical presence in night Vale, you can have a you know a, a, an a, an elementary school girl who is inside the hand of a russian <laughs> sailor and that's <laughs> not and it's and it's accepted and it's cherished and treasured um and even though we don't necessarily wear our politics on our sleeves in night Vale that often we I feel we are trying to model the world that we want to live in where people are judged by the quality of their character and by their actions and not by what they look like or what they sound like or whether they're black or white or native American or, you know, any of the very superficial things that as Westerners, as Americans, especially um, in the media, we get hung up on so much. So, I, I mean, it's been amazing uh, getting to travel the country and get to meet all these fans who are lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, um, you know, or just queer, you know, just awesome and queer kids mm-hmm. um, that that listen to this podcast and it means so much to them. Um, I remember we were, we ran into some trouble uh, with contracts and you know just stuff like that at um, in in New Orleans, and there was a one of the shows we thought we weren't maybe we weren't going to be able to perform or something you know very like logistical, 
And and I I think Meg and I were kind of the champions of saying no. Like these are the places where, you know, if you are queer and you're living you know, an hour outside of Baton Rouge and you're driving, you know, the two and a half, three hours to get to New Orleans to come and see this show, you are the person that we are performing for, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I love living in New York and, you know, I love Chicago as my kind of my second home um, and L.A. and San Francisco and Seattle. All those places are amazing. But I find that in the rest of America, it's the people that need this podcast so much that really make the difference. Um, and it's amazing. And that's why I love touring to all these different places um, and getting to meet all these insane, crazy people <laughs> that listen to this show. So how fun is it for you as, as an actor to be able to, on tour, have other people <laughs> in Night Vale with you? Oh, I love it. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, it's great. Um, it's always something surprising. Um, it's always something that is just as delightful for me as it is the audience. Um, you know, uh, I, am sure, you know, you, you, you've heard part one of our two year anniversary episode. Uh, literally every time I turned around, like every page, there was someone else who was walking on stage, (laughs) you know, and, uh, and, you know, uh, Jackson Public is so funny and Mara <laughs> Wilson is such a commanding presence. And, you know, one of my best friends, Symphony Sanders, is, you know, this iconographic, you know, like Martin Luther King of a Tamika Flynn, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just so much fun to get to play with all these other creative and admittedly like just delightful people you know dylan marin jessica nicole i mean the list goes you know mark gagliardi it just goes on and on and on um and they're all such amazing people backstage and on stage it's a delight so um how is it i mean it sounds like you guys are really getting into the live show thing. Is there ever going to be, and we've talked about this previously on the show, but would you guys ever consider doing possibly a live action, like short of some kind? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think when it comes to sort of visual representations of the show, we are kind of taking, letting that take a back seat until the novel comes out. Because, um, you know, we have a novel coming out in 2015 with uh, um, with Harper Perennial, I believe. Um, and they, you know, that's kind of, you know, going to be the, the test to see what Night Vale has got going for it in the TV, film, Hollywood kind of world. Um, but yeah, I would say keep your keep your eyes on uh, on fall of 2015 uh, to check out the novel because it's going to be really different than the podcast, but very similar in a lot of ways. And I think that will be you know a really interesting turning point in where this whole endeavor is going. Awesome. Maybe we can get it like a field guide to Night Vale. 
or a <laughs> brochure. I, honestly, I, I can say very little about it, not because, <laughs> you know, have a shadowy government figure standing behind me, but because I know very little about it. I know, I know that Joseph and Jeffrey um, are working so incredibly hard with their, um, with their editor and with their agent and with Harper Perennial to make it amazing and different and literary and uh, it's going to be great. Um, I just know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love all the, the fans interpretations. I mean, there's such an amazing amount of art from it. And I think part of it is because there's such, um, when you're listening to a story, you have such a clear sense in your mind's eye of what things look like. And, and then when, you know, the writers throw that curveball and it's not quite what you thought, it's really exciting. And the, the love that goes into the fan community is amazing. I was looking at that, that map that girl made. Oh yeah. That's oh yeah. giant map. And I'm going, that is, that's, that's a massive amount of work and imagination and love and, I couldn't believe all the glow clouds that came to the live show in Portland when we were there. Like the glow cloud costume. I would never have guessed that one. But Oh, but there's and it's so funny. There is a glow cloud in almost every show. <laughs> People love it. And it's always different. I've seen sort of prom dress, wedding dress glow clouds. I've seen, you know, big puffy, you know, um, cotton ball glow clothes. I mean, umbrellas with, with, you know, little cutout animals underneath. I mean, (laughs) so creative. Um, I'm really hoping that, you know, something like uh, San Diego comic-con is really one of those turning points where, you know, the, the, the welcome to Nightville fandom gets a chance to show off, you know, like, like, uh, you know, like a like a Halloween or something like that, where they can kind of move around in a crowd and feel like they are not only accepted, but, you know, uh, cherished well, for dressing up as, you know, the man in the tan jacket and the glow cloud and all the, you know, and Cecil <laughs> and Kevin and Carlos and all of these characters. Have, have you ever been to San Diego Comic-Con before? Never at all. It's- Oh. oh my God! He, that poor baby. Oh, <laughs> I. <laughs> like, he doesn't this realize. Will be, this will be, um, I went to the New York Comic Con last year for all of two hours. Uh, <laughs> that was my first. Um, I was in Seattle for Emerald City, and I had an amazing time. Um, we're doing, um, of course, we're doing DashCon in Schaumburg, Illinois in, uh, I think, in two weeks, three weeks. Um, and that is a Tumblr-themed convention. It is, I believe, the first year that they're doing it. That's awesome. So it's literally going to be, you know, like, welcome to Night Vale in a room with a bunch of people who love Tumblr. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so how, you know, Those are my people. <laughs> like, how could that possibly turn out anything but awesome? Um, but then, you know, at the end of the month, we're going to San Diego, which, you know, I've heard is the, you know, the the end all of all be alls when it comes to. It's Geek and- Mecca. It's Geek yeah. Mecca. And there's a quarter of a million people there. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, part of <laughs> is a little bit relieved and yet disappointed that we are staying in a house away from, you know, kind of the downtown area. Because I kind of love being thrust into the middle of any kind of, you know, cultural or sociological experiment. <laughs> and that's what it sounds like to me. It, it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. They basically take over. It, and it's, it, what's even more now, which is so awesome for you guys, is the fact that Comic-Con isn't stuck in that building anymore. It's taken over the entire gas lamp district. Mm, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's going to be, you're going to be surprised. I think you're going to get like overwhelmed by Night Vale love. I think that's going to happen. Oh, it'll be great. It'll be great. And, you know, and like I said, you know, when the crowds get to be a little bit too much, we can go back to our house and put our feet up and watch some TV or go to the beach and chill out, you know, because, you know, honestly, like, why go if you're not going to have a good time, you know? Um, Yeah, I met some really amazing people at Emerald City and, you know, people would come up to me all weekend when I was just out walking around and they'd be like, oh, my God, Cecil, can I talk to you? And I was like, well, yeah, we're we're just standing right here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, and you, you run into people in the street there. Like I kept running into Doug Jones, like for one weekend, at one, <laughs> one show. I, I mean, literally, I ran into him with his wife. I'd run into him in, in every party. And it was like, this is I'm not really I'm not stalking you, Doug. <laughs> real and he's like i'm not stalking you either did you get a hug every time that guy will hug i did my goal in life is to get cecil to meet doug oh (laughs) i think the room will implode with the niceness and and cuteness of it (laughs) for real because they're both tall i let i let jess jess goes to all the cons i'm too much of an introvert she 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 calls and she tells me all the hijinks. And... <laughs> Sometimes there's too much hijinks that happen at, at yeah. San Diego Comic Con because yeah. there's open bars and things. <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, I was I at, at Emerald City. I was roommate with Mark Gagliardi, and we we had a very long and amazing weekend that. <laughs> Did not stop until the sun came up. So <laughs> that's I get an average of maybe two hours of sleep during Comic Con. There's just so much going on. It's it's a great energy. It's a really great. There's like an electricity in the air. You know, when at two o'clock in the morning you're on the elevator going back to your hotel room and there's like guar. <laughs> You know, it's in true. the elevator with you. Like, you can't, <laughs> it's irrepeatable, you know. It is, in fact, true. Well, Cecil, I think we've we've had you um, as long as we, I know it's late where you are, you're on the East Coast, but I wanted to give you a chance to do a shout-out for, um, I know we got Comic-Con covered, but where all can they see you here upcoming in between now and Comic-Con? Starting on June 30th, we're going to be in Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Our first show in Calgary has sold out, but we're also doing a 10 p.m. show just for Calgary, uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, Victoria. Then we're going to be at DashCon for a couple of days. And then starting on July 14th, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Austin, Texas, which is going to be so awesome. Denver, Salt Lake City, Boise, and then on to San Diego. And then I leave San Diego Comic-Con and I go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival for an entire month to perform Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind with the Neo-Futurists. My first time going to the Fringe Festival as well. Uh, if you are a fan of Night Vale or Too Much Light and you live anywhere near Scotland, please come by and say hello. 
he does that so well. That voice, man. That the voice. It's so you got ah. Oh. Yay. I'm so happy he comes on our show. (laughs) (laughs) It's always so much fun. (laughs) Well, Cecil, I I have to ask you to do it one more time. Can you do your sign-off for Fangirl Radio? Absolutely. (laughs) Good night, Fangirl Radio. Good night. (laughs) Good night, Cecil. Good night, Cecil. (laughs) Thank you, Cecil. Thank you so much. And everybody, go to commonplacebooks.com to find uh, your areas to go to get tickets for the Welcome to Night Bear tour and any questions you have. And donate and the store, please, because give them money because they are worth every penny. Yes. Thank you again, Cecil Baldwin. You were awesome. Thank you. Good night, (laughs) y'all. Good night.